Wow. All right. I'm just going to have no screw-ups this episode so that we can get this done really quickly. Not going to stumble over my words or have to, like, re-record things. I believe in you. You know, it's a then, it's a resolution for the new year. Wow. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm not putting any additional importance on it. I'm just going to try to enunciate, not stumble over my words so that we can get to bed at a reasonable time. It's up to you. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 50 of The Memory Jar. As always, we are here to remember the cards, the decks, the people, and the stories that make magic the game we love. I'm David Prestwood, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Christian Wright. Christian, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm a little wistful and reflective, and I was full of eggnog, and now I'm full of beer. All right, the holiday (laughs) season continues for you. How are you feeling, man, about making it to 50 episodes? We have hit the half-century mark. I feel like we need to celebrate. We should get a bottle of champagne and have a bottle of champagne right now. That, that would be a lot. It's a Monday night when we're recording, and I do have work in the morning. I just started a new job literally today, the day we recorded <laughs> this. So regardless, we're Maybe just... don't pop and blast through a bottle of champagne before day two. <laughs> I mean, I could. I had a hol- I was invited to the holiday party before I started to work. So. Wow. <laughs> Regardless, today we're going to do a little decade retrospective. We've each picked one card released each year of this decade that was newly printed in that respective year. And we're going to go over our choices for each year. There is a twist, though. That's right. We have not shared our lists with each other. That's right, everybody. We're doing it live. I'm excited to see what is on your list. I am, too. I hope you don't get disappointed with my choices. So the way we've done this is kind of favorite card. Maybe not the best card or the most emblematic card, but just a card we like from each year. Yeah, and it might overlap with happening to be the best card of that year, but probably not. You know. (laughs) Possibly, but probably not. Yeah. Because of the topic, we're going to forego our usual dive into the memory jar, and we're going to jump right into our lists. So we'll go back to 2010 first. This will be interesting for me because I came back to the game in 2013, and so my experiences with the 2010 through 2012 cards are probably going to be very different than yours. Uh, 2010, I was not playing, but it saw the release of some really fundamental sets for Modern Magic, World Wake, Rise of the Eldrazi, Magic 2011, and Scars of Mirrodin, as well as the Arch Enemy set. Yeah, it was an interesting year. Jun was super dominant and standard. We saw the printing of our first four ability planeswalker, one Jace the Mind Sculptor, and we got introduced to some big baddies in the Eldrazi themselves. What is your pick this year? So my pick for favorite card of 2010 is a Mythic from Rise of the Eldrazi. Oh. It's not a big Eldrazi. It's Vengevine. Vengevine. So Vengevine, yeah. Two green green for a 4-3 elemental with haste. Whenever you cast a spell, if it's the second creature spell you cast this turn, you may return Vengevine from your graveyard to the battlefield. I really like graveyard synergies. I've loved them basically forever. When I opened my box of cards from back in the day, I still had a graveyard synergy deck assembled. I love that this makes you want to build your deck in a particular way with creatures. It feels to me like a black card that just costs double green for no reason. You're not really disappointed to cast it for four mana, but you really want to bring it out of your graveyard or just bash your opponent out of nowhere. Everything about this card just feels really good to me. Um, you know, not particularly abusive unless there's something like Hogak that's legal in a format. Uh, still trying to find its place in current modern and isn't really being played a lot but uh, you know 
just love this card. Love Vengevine. Well, when it was first in- released, you know it, it caused Survival of the Fittest to get banned in Legacy. Mm-hmm. Because uh, turns out if you can reliably cast Vengevines, you can get Vengevines on turn three with Survival. It's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, no, that seems very reasonable. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So interesting choice. Not what I was expecting. So yeah, not a uh, not a blue card, not a black card. Yeah, I think that's going to be a theme on this list. Maybe I'm a little bit more of a green mage than I've let on. Who knows? It's okay. Green's good now. So, I, I mean, there's so much card advantage, and if I can get card advantage plus my beefy chunky boys, you know, I'm into it. So my pick this year, it came in right at the end. There's it's kind of a theme with my list. Is a lot of this stuff comes in right at the end of the year. My pick is Grand Architect. It's a rare from Scars of Mirrodin. Grand Architect is one blue blue for a 1-3 Vidalcan Artificer. Other blue creatures you control get plus one, plus one. For blue, you can make an artifact creature become blue until end of turn, and you could tap an untapped blue creature you control and add two colorless mana to your mana pool, and you can spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Uh, this is a great choice. Grand Architect is definitely on its face one of my favorite cards. What do you really like about it? Uh, I really like that it enabled a really kind of niche strategy. I was one of the first decks I played um, in the decade was a Grand Architect deck that used Grand Architect to power out Worm Coil Engines and Mindslavers. Mm-hmm. It was super fun. I think it was a deck. I remember a deck builder building it and it did well in a tournament, and I just had a lot of fun with it. And it was good until they printed Batterskull. <laughs> the following year spoiler (laughs) but um it was fun it was good i I top aided a a iq with it i had a lot of fun i played this deck for a solid six or nine months after it was released like i just had a blast until it just wasn't good anymore but it was my deck i remember how i got all the warm coils for the deck like i drove around to get two i went to stores because it was the uh, promo for scars of mirrodin so it was really cheap and then I opened my third one. It was a. It also happened to be a foil regular worm coil engine that my friend Eric Brown, who's been on the show previously, he opened. So, just a lot of memories tied up in that card, and it's just it was an absolute blast. It's certainly cool. I remember seeing earlier this year, I think in January of this year, uh, somebody playing a modern deck that played Grand Architects and Ethereum Sculptors, Chief Engineers, and uh, then Walking Ballistas, and my Smuggler's Copters, just all of these great, you know, interesting artifacts and things that power out artifacts. But most importantly, it played Throne of the God Pharaohs, since you could just tap all of your creatures for mana and then deal a ton of damage to your opponent at the end of the turn. A deck that I have strongly considered about building and trying to actually make work in modern. You should. You absolutely, absolutely should. Um, I can't do any worse than playing Counter's Combo, so... (laughs) I think, no, I think you can, I don't know. <laughs> so so that was 2010. Let's go on to 2011. So 2011 had Mirrodin Besieged, New Phyrexia, the first commander set where they had the pre-constructed commander decks, uh, Magic 2012, and possibly one of the greatest sets of all time, Innistrad. This is famously the year of Cobblade. As you mentioned, commander products came out for the first time. And I know your favorite draft format in Innistrad, is that right? Yeah, I, I mean, it. I think it's uh, one of the best draft formats of all time. Excuse you. <laughs> Everyone's, everyone seems to agree with that. Uh, so, Christian, for 2011, what is your card? So, 2011, I'm going to be safe and boring. It's Snapcaster Mage. That's uh, totally unshocking. Yeah, so Snapcaster Mage, we talked about a ton. It's in my signature spell book. Uh, I'll just go over it again real quick. Snapcaster Mage, one to blue, human wizard. It's a 2-1, has flash. 
When it enters the battlefield, target instant sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn. The flashback cost is equal to its mana cost. One of the best blue cards ever printed. But I, I remember specifically the reason why I had to put this in is I had my Innistrad copy since it came out. And I had them because I recognized that card was very good really early. And I got to do things like trade away the hot mythic at the time when it, in his tribal issues was scab ruinator i got to trade mine mm-hmm. away for like a snapcaster mage and something else and like i opened the others and bought the others like at cheap prices and mwah, i got to enjoy a lot of blue magic for the rest of my life <laughs> that's awesome uh i too traded for my first snapcaster mage by trading a foil treasure cruise which then was banned the next week and became functionally worthless so <laughs> Uh, you know, good deals all around. Uh, this is totally unsurprising. I think of this as a very Christian card, certainly. Not one that I have played a lot, but uh, unsurprising. I can one-up you. Oh, ooh. What What is your card, then? My card is something that is even more hated than Snapcaster Mage. Say hello to Birthing Pod. Ooh, hot damn! <laughs> That's right, Birthing Pod. Three and a Phyrexian green mana for an artifact. Uh, you can pay one and a Phyrexian green mana and tap it to sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. You can only do this when you could cast a sorcery. And of course, you can pay Phyrexian mana with either the mana of that color, so a green, or with two life. This is a rare from New Phyrexia. And yes, I know, I know, it's Birthing Pod. It got banned in Modern. It was out of control. But it was the first Modern deck that I fell in love with. And it looks so innocuous. It's sorcery speed. You're kind of limited with what you can tutor up because you have to climb the ladder. Phyrexian mana was cool when I first saw it. I know, even though it's broken. But yeah, I I just love Birthing Pod. Well, I'm glad that you diversified because this is your first artifact. Pure artifact, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to pay some life. Also technically a green card, but like not really a green card, right? You can just pay all the life you want. Oh, yeah, no. But this is like your card to the max. Like you love birthing pot effects where you get to tutor creatures that from your library by sacrificing other creatures like this is the david presswood card of 2011 yeah that's absolutely right and just to uh go a little further my other choice for this year that i was waffling back and forth between was phyrexian metamorph oh yeah just three and a phyrexian blue for an artifact clone basically and that's my favorite card to first pick in cube Phyrexian mana really just speaking to me for this list. Yeah, you should have really played in 2011. I think you would have just loved to like pay all the life in new Phyrexia drafts with the Scars, Mirror and Besiege new Phyrexia drafts. You would just been like, yeah, taking Blinding Soul Eaters and Immolating Soul like all of that, just going nuts. Um, my follow-up, I actually audibled this. My original choice was Geist of St. Traft. Which oh, okay. Yeah, Geist of St. Traft, nice card. I did some, had some good times with Geist of St. Traft, but Snapcaster Mage, I just, I had to change it. It was just too much to me, so. It, it's, to, it's to you, that's right. Well, some pretty powerful choices here in 2011. Maybe we'll, we'll dial it down a little bit. 2012 was a, a little powered down year, I think. So Dark Ascension, Avacyn Restored, Magic 2013, and then Return to Ravnica yep. was released near the end of the year. Also, Plane Chase 2012 came out this year, so like a pretty good year. Milstrom Wander was released this year. Like, that's a pretty Ooh. big year. So we had Angels and Demons and Cascaders, speaking of Milstrom Wander, Ninjas, and the omnipresence of Thrag Tuscan Re- Restoration Angel and Competitive Magic. This is also the year we first met. But more importantly, what is your favorite card of 2012? 
We're going back to the artifact well, and this one is probably not what you would expect. It's Chromatic Lantern. Oh, no, I expect that. That actually makes a ton of sense. Chromatic Lantern, three generic mana for an artifact. It says lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color, and it taps to add one mana of any color. I mean, look, what's not to like? It's ramp. It enables all kinds of weird stuff because your lands just tap for any color. I love this in commander decks. I'm always surprised it's not more played. I want to love this so much in standard decks. The uh, chromatic black deck that was being played in the last year that was all black mana and chromatic lanterns was hilarious. And I just, I like that this card enables a lot of silly things. Oh yeah, it's super fun. And it's like innocuous because you think, how powerful can this be? But yeah, as you said, it just absolutely makes playing magic easier. And what's not to love about that? I do love having all of my colors available. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I do have a problem where I play minimum three colors in many decks. <laughs> well, I mean, I played that in standard because I played a five-color uh, control deck. Oh, yeah. And I had there to have the colors. Because you know what else I had to have with Chromatic Lantern to enable it? I do. Yeah? It's, mm-hmm. it, it's Sphinx's Revelation. That's my card yeah. for 2012. <laughs> Of course it is. Uh, I considered naming the duo of Supreme Verdict and Sphinx's Revelation, and then I realized I'm not a terrorist. So I just uh, I went with the one I love. Why don't you go ahead and yeah. talk about your cards? Yeah, Sphinx's Revelation, real simple. X, white, blue, blue for an instant, um, and you gain X life and draw X cards. Um, yeah, it's a, that turns out to be very good. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, even if you're only paying X is two, you know essentially a bad healing solve but then also divination with the bad healing solve is actually pretty good <laughs> yeah and the fact that was it was an instant was just pretty out of control in those blue white control decks just you know this card made appearances in every high level format since it was printed yeah i can't remember if i actually played copies in my um fog deck but i think there was a one or two at times because it was just like still the best card you can possibly play even if it got countered immediately by dissipate or other you know counter spells it was still like just absolutely fantastic yeah no that makes a lot of sense i really thought about a couple other cards for this year uh mostly for cube reasons i really like thundermaw hellkite and huntmaster of the fells i don't have as much experience with either one but thundermaw hellkite's one of those cards that i love that it just shows up in modern sideboards once in a while even if it's incorrect uh that always tickles me the right way yeah oh no my runner-up was sort of feast and famine only because i think that was mm. the first mythic i opened out of the mirrodin besieged booster box that i got for helping star city games with coverage uh in 2011 as a runner back when you could volunteer to do that and get paid a box of magic cards so it was always had fond memories of like cracking on me like oh i got this great card that everyone's playing and then not playing the deck that it <laughs> of course yeah that's how it works <laughs> so um okay so moving on from 2012 which was a fantastic year 2013 introduced us to gate crash dragon's maze magic 2014 theros and a follow-up commander set full of greek gods full of gold cards as far as the eye can see weird humanoid slivers that everyone hated I assume that is not one of your cards. So, Christian, what is your card for 2013? Oh, so my card is, you guessed this. This is so obvious if you know me. It's ridiculous. It's Maze's End. That's right. Before we were recording, we hadn't shared the list, but I said, all I know, basically, is that Maze's End is on yours. And Christian just looked at me like, well, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Like, this is, uh, this is my card. <laughs> so, Maze's End is a land, enters the battlefield tapped, 
you can tap it to add a generic. Who cares? No one cares about that. Uh, more importantly, for three generic and tapping it and returning it to your hand, you can search your library for a gate card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. More importantly, if you control ten or more gates with different names, you win the game. I mean, who doesn't love an alternate win condition? I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> and this one is pretty fantastic because once your opponents start realizing you played Rakdos Guildgate and Demir Guildgate and Selesnya Guildgate, the gig was up. It was they realize uh, we have to start killing these gates, I guess? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the, Are we playing Stone Rains or not? No. The key is fo- there's a lot of fog effects in that standard format, yeah. and that was a huge help. When you don't have to take any combat damage, you can play wonderful land such as mazes in to help you win the game instead of actually you know playing what some people might call good cards uh you are a ridiculous human being and i love you for it christian (laughs) so if my card was ridiculous is your card just as ridiculous i picked another card that has been banned for this year this card has been banned in commander it's profit of crew fix oh that's a good one yeah profit of crew fix three green blue for two three human wizard you untap all creatures and lands you control during each other player's untap step, and you may cast creature spells as though they had flash. So Prophet of Kruvix is just the commanderiest commander card on the planet. Simic, in my opinion, is the best color combination in commander because it can ramp and draw cards, the two things that you really want to do in commander, and this was the perfect complement to both of those things. As I mentioned, it was banned in commander because it was considered mostly too annoying or painful or powerful to play against, but I would argue, and I still argue, if you can't handle a 5-mana 2-3, you shouldn't be playing commander. People, play more single and multi-target removal, play more board wipes, it's not that hard. I think this should be unbanned in Commander. That's my hot take. You do, you do realize is it's two fantastic cards stapled onto each other, right? I do, yes. Like, it's Seedborn That's Muse. why I like it. The value, Christian, the value! I mean, like, i just saying, like, if this gets unbanned, I would start running everything to just steal it or stop it. It's just, right. it's just too good. But it is a yeah. it is a U card. But to be fair, like it's it's also just ridiculously good. <laughs> that's that's fair. And also, I got a big stack of these, so I'll just unban it and I'll uh, I'll hit the TCG player store and uh, and knock those out. Oh, so there's an ulterior motive to this. <laughs> there is. I mean, I could make dollars, dollars, Christian. <laughs> you could buy beers after this. <laughs> Whole beers. I mean, not good ones, but some. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're almost halfway through the decade already. 2014 followed up Theros with Born of the Gods and Journey into Nyx. We had Magic 2015 and then Cons of Tarkir. And here's where we continue doing the yearly Commander set. So Commander 2014 came out. And also our first draft adventure set, Conspiracy, was released. Oh, yeah. Just a fantastic year. Finish the Theros block, but also the great multiplayer drafting with Conspiracy. But we're just burying the lead. Really, one of the best sets of all time at least in my humble opinion, came out with Tons of Tarkir. So with that in mind, what is your favorite card of 2014? I really wanted to say Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise here and just make them a unit. I decided not to do that and go with a card that we talked about in my signature spellbook, Hornet Nest. Oh, yeah. So we've got another green card, two and a green for a 0-2 insect with Defender. When Hornet Nest is dealt damage, you create that many 1-1 green insect creature tokens with Flying and Death Touch. To me, I love this card because it felt like a throwback to Rook Egg, a 0-3 from Arabian Knights that died into a 4-4 flyer. Um, 
I played this in a deck that could bring it into play multiple different ways at instant speed, which was always hilarious when they're attacking with a giant Pelucranos or something, and this just makes a bunch of 1-1 flying death touchers. I loved, loved they printed this in Magic 2015. The same set as a Hornet Queen reprint. It just went so well together. I love that it was legal in a standard with Satessin Tactics, a fight spell that had Strive, a form of kicker that let you basically, like kick it to fight with multiple creatures of your opponents with your own creatures when all yours are 1-1 one, one death touches you got for free. It seems great. This card just cracked me up every time I played it. Oh, And your opponent's reaction when they're not expecting it and you just run it out on turn three was always priceless. Oh, yeah. that I, I think you did that to me once and I just couldn't beat it. Like I just remember being <laughs> like, what the hell do I do with this hornet's nest? Like, Yeah, you die. So, no, that is that's absolutely perfect. I cheated a little. Oh. I have five cards that were my favorite this year. It's the oh. Trilands from Kanza yeah. Tarkir. Oh, okay. those are my, I like it. Those are my favorites. So the the Trilands, um, they're Frontier Bivouac, Mystic Monastery, Nomad Outpost, Opulent Palace, and Sandstep Citadel. They're all very similar. They all enter the battlefield tap, and they all produce three mana of different colors. Uh, depending on which one it is, it produces a different wedge which is an allied color and its enemy color pair in those lands. So, for example, Nomad Outpost enters the battlefield tap. It can add red, white, or black to your mana pool. White's enemy color pair is red and black, so that's how you get it. Yeah, these were awesome and limited. I would love to see more multicolor sets with Trilands. Obviously, the first ones came from the Alara block when you had shards, and then here we had wedges. So we've seen all 10, and they're, yeah, ripe for a reprint in a good multicolored set. Oh, yeah, and that's why I loved them. I mean, like, I had the most fun of my life drafting triple cons of Tarkir, and I took every single Triland, and I played these ridiculous decks, and I still have, like, if I go through, I think I still have something like 100 or 120 Trilands from when I drafted, <laughs> and it's just, ugh, it's amazing. I had some of my best memories of Magic picking trilands like my first three or four picks of a draft are all trilands and i just look down the table i'm like what are you all thinking <laughs> yeah this format was crazy in which it's not just that your t- enter the battlefield tapped multicolored land is a reasonable pack one pick one it's like i'm happy to have five of them oh yeah oh yeah, yeah let's just keep going 2014 was a great year for cards the other two that i really loved this year were in soul artifact Oh, yeah. You know, turning, you enchant an artifact and turn it into a 5-5. Anytime that there's a deck that's good, that's named after a card, I'm probably interested in what that one card's unique ability is. And then also, I really, really like Clever Impersonator. I've mentioned a couple of clones already, but Clever Impersonator is a four-mana clone that can enter the battlefield as a copy of any non-land permanent anywhere on the battlefield. So, you know, Artifact, Enchantment, it's a card that I feel like should be in every blue commander deck and people just don't play nearly enough. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. That it, There's a lot of fun cards this year. Like, Journey into Nyx is my stealth guilty pleasure set in all of Magic because mm-hmm. Constellation is just absolutely fantastic. In a lot yeah, of, so excited to have that coming back in Theros Beyond Death. Oh, me too. And just the fact that, like, it's something that's so basic, yet it's so cool and it's so flavorful to do. It was just, it's just a home run. And so yeah. I really like, like, let's be real here. Born of the Gods might be one of the worst magic sets of all time. I know this is a bit of a digression from our favorite cards. So when you look at this list, it's like there's one terrible choice 
with not a lot of great options <laughs> and the rest are actually really fun like conspiracy was really fun with all the different conspiracy cards but also all the different multiplayer matters cards like savala and all these others that are printed like 2014 was a fantastic year i will say though you're right board of the gods and journey into nix was not the best time to learn how to draft no i'm so no. sorry <laughs> so on that note we go from a high to uh What's the opposite of high? I don't know. 2015, we got Fate Reforged, Dragons of Tarkir, Magic Origins, Battle for Zendikar, and another Commander product in Commander 2015. Yeah, this was a lot of dragons. The beginning of some Eldrazi, and then we had the flip Planeswalkers in Origins, which were a hot topic. There was a lot of stuff happening in 2015. Christian, what stood out to you as your favorite card? So 2015, I had to dig deep, but I did find a card that I absolutely loved. It's Tassiger the Golden Fang. Mm, yeah, that that's not a deep cut. That's a nice one. It's a nice one. So Tassiger is five and a black for a legendary creature human shaman. It has delve, so each card you exile from your graveyard while casting the spell pays for one generic mana. And then for two generic mana and blue-green, blue-green hybrid, you put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard, then you return a non-land card of an opponent's choice from your graveyard to your hand, and it's a four-five. Yeah, Tessiger was great. What's not to love? Delve, you delve away the cards you don't want to get back. This ability that makes your opponent make a choice, which you're going to make it difficult on them, hits really hard for a minimal mana investment. Art is totally out of control. Yeah. Zombie with a banana. Can't go wrong. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I've loved it because I remember it's one of the few cards back then that I bought exclusively to play in Modern, and I played it mm-hmm. from the weekend it was legal in Grixis Twin, Splinter Twin, and then it got banned sure. in about two weeks but (laughs) it was it was still very good for like the two or three weeks i played it i loved it and i still played it for a while it's played for a little while in grixis death shadow decks before that got those decks got tuned had some good memories of tassiger and had some fun times casting it for one black mana a lot of times no i have a uh, salti commander deck and tassiger is still the commander it's a lands based deck and so the things that go into my graveyard that aren't lands are few and far between, but it lets me get them basically all back. It's a very powerful ability in those formats. Oh, yeah. So what about you? What's your 2015 card? I don't think it'll be too surprising that my card for 2015 is Collected Company. Three and a green for an instant. Look at the top six cards of your library. Put up to two creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Really similar to Birthing Pod, the Collected Company modern deck, which I used to play, followed the Birthing Pod modern deck. It's since been succeeded by a devoted druid deck that no longer needs to play Collected Company because there are enough other choices to get cards. But I love cards that force you to warp your deck around them, like I talked about with Vengevine. I didn't mind playing against this card in Standard. I think it wouldn't have felt so bad if not for Reflector Mage. To put this in your deck, you need minimum 30 creatures, probably. Frank Karsten may have something to say about that. Maybe it's more or less. But I feel like in order to get two hits, that's about what you want. And, you know, it just enables a lot of interesting combos. And I have had a blast playing it basically forever. Yeah, it's super fun. It's one of those cards that was very good immediately, but it also wasn't played super immediately until they printed Mm -hmm. a bunch of dumb enter the battlefields creatures shortly after yes. but like it you know like for when he came out i was like oh this is cool i guess this might replace birthing pod but i don't know and then it's like oh this, re- this replaces birthing pod <laughs> yeah yeah very reasonable the card i considered here also was monastery mentor which is just kind of a pet card of mine you know it has been very good in legacy but has not 
really been able to penetrate in modern. I feel like Monastery Mentor is a card that if it was just a little bit better would be played and played and played and maybe so much that it could get banned because it gets out of control so quickly, but it's it's just not. It's not somehow good enough and that makes it adorable to me. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I granted, you didn't play it with multiple Sensei's Divining Tops in your deck, so. No, no, I did not. <laughs> so that would be on my list. Another follow-up would be the other big black Delve baddie, which is Grimag Angler. Six and a black for a 5-5 five, five delve. That's it. To be honest, this was a hard year for me because unlike 2014, where it only had one bad set, like I just didn't have a lot of fond memories doing like Fate Reforged drafts nor Dragons or uh, Tarkir drafts. And I didn't really do a lot of Magic Origins and Battle for Zendikar was sure. definitely a low point. I played Battle for Zendikar. I just didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty universal opinion. The set had a lot of potential, but green was legitimately so unplayable. It's kind of become a meme that green was so unplayable in that set, but it was. I mean, I drafted, I remember, a very busted green deck when I just decided to go for it because people had stopped drafting green. And it looked on its face like one of the best decks I had drafted that format, and I went 1-2 yeah. very easily. Like, it was just, it was clear. So, you know, some things went wrong with the draft format. The set itself wasn't great. I got a little more excited in the next year once we got the follow-up, Oath of the Gatewatch. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Yeah, so 2016 is an interesting year for Magic. Oath of the Gatewatch was the first set, followed by the new Innistrad block, Shadows over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon, and then followed by Kaladesh. We also had Commander 2016, and then Conspiracy got a sequel in Conspiracy Take the Crown. Yeah, I mean, you really loved Oath of the Gatewatch draft. It was certainly a lot better than Battle for Zendikar. Um, but overall, man, this was a busted year. Like, each one of those sets had at least one potential, like, card that should have been banned or was banned, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. What was your favorite card from 2016? Christian, you're going to be so mad. Yeah? You're going to be so mad. My my 2016 card is Thought Not Seer. I mean, it was in my signature <laughs> spellbook. It was just yeah. not fun to play against, but I love it, too. So. <laughs> I, I love it the most. <laughs> so Thought Not Seer, three and a colorless for a 4-4 four, four Eldrazi. When Thought Not Seer enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals her hand. You choose a non-land card from it and exile that card. When Thought Not Seer leaves the battlefield, target opponent draws a card. I love, love, love colorless mana. I love it as a concept. I love this card specifically, in no small part because of two other cards I considered in this year that I played with it occasionally, Panharmonicon and Eldrazi Displacer. Uh, Eldrazi Displacer and Thought Notseer creates this soft lock in which you wait for them to draw, flicker your own Thought Notseer in their draw step, and then take the best card out of their hand. Sure, they get to draw another card, but, you know, you get to take their best one. With Panharmonicon, they draw, you flicker it, you let them draw another card, then you just take them both. So it's, it, solves, it solves all those problems. This card, I really enjoyed playing. I liked the asymmetry of they don't get the card back when it leaves. They just draw another card. The art is cool and weird. The colorless frame is kind of like an early borderless or, you know, smaller border frame. Everything about it just spoke to me. Oh, yeah. I'm actually really surprised. I thought it'd be Eldrazi Displacer because you love to blink things. And I thought... Even though Thought Not Seer is amazing, I I mean, as much as I hate playing against it, I also play it, it's one of my legacy decks, right? I mm-hmm. thought you would pick the Blinker. Yeah, Eldrazi Displacer was certainly a consideration. It is one of my favorite cards. Maybe the fact that it's a white card and the only chances I really had to play it were in decks with Gideon Ally of Zendikar, and I don't even want to think about that card. So, you know, <laughs> Thought Not Seer it is. 
Fair, fair, fair enough. So my card, it's kind of a surprise. I actually don't think you could have you could have guessed this. It's Fevered Visions. Wow, Fevered Visions was awesome. Yeah, Fevered Visions was awesome. So Fevered Visions is one blue and red for an enchantment. At the beginning of each player's instep, that player draws a card. If the player is your opponent and has four or more cards in hand, Fevered Visions deals two damage to that player. It it it, it I, I played a fantastic deck that used this and like Stitchwing Scab and a bunch of like ways to draw extra cards and force my opponent to not really play cards. I just loved it. It was a it was a cornerstone of my uh standard experience for a long time that year and I just just loved it. Like I still have my copies to this day. <laughs> I never played it in constructed, but I loved this card in limited so 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 much and would take it very highly when people kind of let it move around the table. This is, there was this great blue red spells madness deck and fevered visions is just exactly what you wanted. One of the coolest designs in that format and one of the grossest pieces of art. Oh, so yeah. a great combination. Ugh. I like very, very rarely pay attention to the art because I was just like, okay, go. Like, you just Please don't make me read this card. Uh, <laughs> pro tip. The foil is even grosser. I believe it. There's a lot of tentacles. And like yeah. bright, t- oh yeah, no, they're very shiny, very shiny, but <laughs> ugh, but still a fantastic card. So 2017, we get some f- actually fantastic sets here. We have Aether Revolt, Amonkhet, Hour of Devastation, Commander 2017, Ixalan, and Unstable. All sets with new cards that released this year. Yeah, I didn't consider Unstable in my list here. I wish I had had a chance to play that limited format more often. I probably could have considered putting Spike on my list, but it was just very cool. Fortunately, there were some really bomb sets this year. Aether Revolt was great. Hour of Devastation. Our Amaket's one of my favorite draft sets. Sitting upstairs in my yeah. office, I've got multiple draft sets of that just waiting to be drafted at some point. This was the year Dinosaurs showed up. Creepy Deserts. Christian, what, from your perspective, took the throne in 2017? I would actually be a little disappointed if you didn't pick this card, too. But I'm going to go with one of my favorite cards to draft of all time, which is Oasis Ritualist. Wow, good choice. Yeah, so Oasis Ritualist is three and a green for a 2-4 Naga Druid. You can tap it to add one mana of any color, or you can tap and exert it, which means it doesn't untap during your next untap step, to add two mana of any color to your mana pool. Yeah, this was great in our draft. Oh my god, it was amazing. Like, once I learned that you should just pick Oasis Ritualist first pick, like, ugh. That was my only strategy, and I, I just don't care. Cornerstone of my Hour of Devastation experience. Yeah, we were at some GP together. I think it was a GPTC, and I remember showing you a deck where I had first picked Oasis Ritualist and picked, like, two or three more Oasis Ritualists and was playing Mono Green Nickel Bolas. It was this deck with, like... <laughs> mostly green cards and then nickel bolus god pharaoh which is four and grixis to cast and then a couple of other like i think maybe i had a locust god or something just like these big absurd bombs in non-green colors and you could do that because of oasis ritualist and i probably saw the gold cards first and then i saw the oasis ritualist and was like oh okay yeah you're fine (laughs) yeah worked worked out so what about you then what is your favorite card from 2017 you made a good choice, but that is not the one I picked. I actually went late in the year and picked one from Ixalan, if you can believe it. Ooh. Uh, treasure Map slash Treasure Cove oh, yeah. was my favorite card one. of this year. That's a good one. Treasure Map is two generic mana for an artifact. 
You can pay one and tap it to scry one, put a landmark counter on treasure map. Then if there are three or more landmark counters on it, you remove it, transform treasure map, and create three treasure tokens. Treasure tokens, of course, you can tap and sacrifice to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. But Treasure Cove, the transformed side, taps for one colorless mana, or you can tap and sacrifice a treasure to draw a card. So my reason for this is when Treasure Map came out is just before Brawl started as a format, and I think this was the best card in the first Brawl format. I played a lot at my local game store and could not get enough of Treasure Map. It's interesting gameplay. You're playing one mana off curve, so you have a lot of decisions to make because, you know, you do want to scry all the time. You do want to hold it up to scry. Your opponents really want to kill it because if you get to untap with it and ramp or start sacking those treasures to draw cards, you're making treasures with other things. You get so much card advantage, it's basically impossible to win. It's just a little switchblade. Also, made some, like, small waves in certain standard decks that were really interesting, so pretty cool all around. Oh, yeah, I love Treasure Map. I played this card in competitive drafts a lot. Um, that was when I was starting to do a bit of a grind. I did a kind of a short grind to try to make the Pro Tour. It was so good. I often did the trick of where you scry for it on your upkeep so that when you mm-hmm. do flip it, you can actually get the three treasures so you do end yep. a turn, end a turn, then the upkeep before it would flip. So you'd have the three treasures to ramp into whatever you were scrying. I very rarely lost with it. I love this card. I just love the design more than anything else. And I really liked these flip artifacts that flipped into lands. In addition to the fact that it's just kind of a cool design and gives you some other things to do when they're turning into lands on the backside. They're gorgeous. The backside, the the land art, which was apparently originally designed to be the masterpieces for this set before they stopped doing masterpieces. Yep. Just uh, just phenomenal. And they look incredible in foil. I think one of the first tournaments actually we went to together that I tried to grind was GP in Indianapolis that year in, in the mm. summer of 2017. Um, I think it was right after, I think Minneapolis happened first and then we both went to Indianapolis. I remember the day after I had gone to a coffee shop to work. I like walked about a mile and a half and I remember working and also seeing the Exelon spoilers come out and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Awesome. So on to 2018. 2018 started with Rivals of Ixalan, then Dominaria. We finally returned to Dominaria. We had Corset 2019 and Guilds of Ravnica. And this is when we really started to see an explosion in supplemental products. So, of course, we had Commander 2018, but we also had Global Series Zhang Yanggu and Mu Yanling, both Planeswalkers that we've now seen in standard legal sets. We had Battle Bond was the next riff on the conspiracy-type sets. And we also had the first edition of Magic Game Night. Yeah, I mean, like, we really dug into the past in 2018. Dominaria was a blast of the past. Guild of Ravnica was our third return to Ravnica. It was just overall a fantastic year for Magic. What was the card that stood out to you? Well, we finally have one that is probably the most predictable for me. It's Thief of Sanity. Yeah. This is is very me. One blue black for a 2-2 flying specter. Whenever Thief of Sanity deals combat damage to a player, look at the top three cards of that player's library, exile one of them face down, put the rest in their graveyard. You may look at and cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana mana of any type to cast that spell. As you know, if you listen to this podcast or have ever played with me, I like to play with my opponent's cards. This one has the benefit of just being a total soul crusher. Yes, it is a 2-2 flyer for 3 mana. It is a wind drake functionally. It dies to everything. 
But when you get in and you make contact, you feel like a billion dollars and your opponent is soul crushed. This card inspired more immediate arena concessions on contact than any other card I've played on arena. And there's tension. It's like your opponent has a planeswalker. Do you get in? Do you kill their planeswalker? Or do you hit them and take a card? You hit them and then you take a card. That's what you do every time. And then you use that card to kill their planeswalker. But I just, I love Thief of Sanity. That is, it's one of the few cards that there were other busted cards in the last two years. But that was almost always kill on cast. Like if it resolved, that was getting a lightning strike. That was getting any sort of removal spell I'm playing in my decks or I'm just immediately wiping the board. Like even if it was not the most optimal play, like I just did not want that Thief of Sanity to stick around. 100% because the card your opponent will take from you is the exact card that will be the worst for you in that moment. That's just how Thief of Sanity works. Funny enough, my favorite card was also printed in Guilds of Ravnica. Ooh. It is Niv-Mizzet Perrin. Oh, that is not a surprise either. No, good choice. It's a good, yeah, so Niv-Mizzet Perrin is blue, 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 red, 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 for a 5-5 legendary dragon wizard. It can't be countered. It has flying. Whenever you draw a card, Niv-Mizzet Perrin deals one damage to any target, and whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, you draw a card. So, um, yeah, it's pretty hard to kill. You have these turns where you just cast a bunch of spells and kill opponents. And just like Thief of Sanity, I got more instant concessions on Arena from this card than any other. Yeah, the fact that he can't be countered is pretty out of control. In combination with the fact that he just does Niv-Mizzet things, you know, like reward you for casting spells and drawing cards and also making you draw cards and also being a giant dragon. Right. Yeah. And you're going to cast spells in a blue-red deck. And it also lets you draw a card if it gets targeted with a removal spell. Like, what's not to like? Did you have any good runners-up? Yeah, I really liked Risk Factor. Um, Oh, well, come on. Punisher cards are not usually very good, but this one was, I thought, interesting. And I really liked playing it. You know, this is when I was playing pretty deeply into the Arena beta and playing a lot of Mono Red was the first deck I built. Not really a Mono Red player usually, but really enjoyed playing that deck. I just thought it was an interesting design. As much as I bootleg, it actually is probably the most well-designed and best Punisher card they've made so far either choice actually stinks and you can recast it which doesn't help i do have a dishonorable mention oh yeah that the worst card that i think was printed in 2018 and that's nexus of fate oh yeah and it's not just because it's miserable to play against it's because of card availability it was a buy a box promo for magic 2019 and that's the only way it was available which meant not only was it only in foil but there just weren't a lot of them out there And you've seen Wizards start to print other standard legal cards. Corvald is an example that's played in standard right now that are not in standard legal packs that anybody can get an unlimited number of at their local game store or, I mean, even their local Target or big box store if they want. So there can be scarcity issues. And I think that's a extremely negative trend. Yeah, I definitely don't like it. Yeah, I played a lot of it on Arena because you could craft it. But even there, right. like, you would have 50-minute, hour-long games, especially if you're playing the mirror. Yeah. And the thing is, is that sometimes people were stubborn. They wouldn't concede. Or, you know, you couldn't win immediately, so you had to play for another 20 minutes until you found your win condition. It's an objectively powerful card. I think it's under-costed. I hope they never print something like this again. I guess they already broke that because Corvald's up there, so is Chilain. Like, there's going to be a deck that wants to have Fortulane Teller of Tales and 
And they did it with another Biobox promo in Kenrith as well, yeah. who showed up in Fires of Invention decks. It just seems like a mistake to me to print standard legal cards that see any chance of play in non-core, non-basic expansions. I will say, to lighten up our conversation a bit so we're not all negative Nancys about 2018 and trends in magic, my honorable mention, actually, is kind of a crazy one. It's Hardy Veteran. It's from Rivals of Ixalan. Wow. Yeah, it's a one in a green for a human. Uh, I forgot the type. It doesn't really matter. But as long as it's your turn, it gets plus O plus 2, and it's a 2-2. Two, two. So on your turn, it's a 2-4, and on your opponent's turn, it's a 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, no, it uh, it gets in there. It attacks. It survives a lot of bears. I had a lot of fun drafting these. Everyone undervalued them, and I was like, no, Hardy Veteran is a Hardy Veteran in my heart. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I-, I won quite a bit, so I- that's all I got to say about that. All right. I don't have any comments for you, so <laughs> we'll just have to move on. Uh, we'll move on to our final year of the decade, 2019. So 2019 started with Ravnica Allegiance, then War of the Spark, completing the Ravnica Saga. Uh, then we got uh, Corset 2020 and Throne of Eldraine. But again, supplemental products. Modern Horizons deserves a mention here. We haven't mentioned other modern sets, but that's because they've been master sets. And Modern Horizons was a ton of new cards. Also, Commander 2019, of course. And Game Night 2020. Yep. And, I mean, we did a whole show on Mystery Boosties! Mysteries Boostie! Woo! Yeah, so just a few new cards of the Mystery Boosties. Just 121 on that playtest sheet. But those are pretty exciting. Most importantly, let's let's be real here. This has been a very long year of magic. There's been a lot of magic cards. It's been the year of planeswalkers. Just like you throw a rock, you hit a planeswalker this year. It's just obscene. On that note, though, what was the favorite card of uh, the last year for you? Before we get there, I just want to say it was the year of planeswalkers, and then it was the year of R&D crises, and cards getting banned left and right in standard in a new format they've created pioneer in modern um, they printed a ton of overpowered stuff both in standard legal sets and in modern horizons and so you know it'll be interesting to see what recalibration happens after a dramatic 2019 maybe perhaps next year we'll do just a year-end review and talk about our favorite card from 2020 and i'm hoping that we don't have this kind of dark cloud of what was printed this year that was banned hanging over us at that time. Um, And I will say this too, uh, and this is a bit of a thing. It's interesting how people are saying, oh, this is a really well-designed, these are well-designed sets this year. And I I have to disagree. I think the core ideas of it were cool. Like Throne of Eldraine, I thought was a really cool concept. They, They did pull that off, like the whole fairy tale thing. Yeah, I mean, thank God they ended on a positive note. Throne of Eldraine has been, I think, a really, really good draft set, even though they did have some very notable power level problems for Constructed. So if that's where draft is going, that would be a good thing. I also thought that Corset 2020 was by far the best drafting corset oh, I've ever played. Oh, yeah. No, it was fantastic. Um, and, yeah, it was, was interesting and deep. So we'll have to see where we go. My... 2019 card is actually from War of the Spark. It is not a Planeswalker, but it is a mythic. It is Ilharg the Razeborn. Ilharg, yeah. Yeah, Ilharg. Three red red for a 6-6 legendary creature, Boar God. God. He's got Trample. Uh, Whenever he attacks, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking, and then return that creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. And then when Ilharg the Razeboard dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. 
So it's like sneak attack, but the card goes back to your hand, so you could do it again next turn if they're not dead. Um, I liked a lot about this card. I like the design better than the Hour of Devastation gods that go back to your hand. I like the design better than the Theros gods that are indestructible. It helped that this came out on Arena, and so I could play about a thousand matches with different permutations of Ilharg decks and tweak them and tune them. Um, finally setting on, by the way, the correct answer is two Ronus and two Galta in order to kill people. Uh, got a lot of nice emotes from people when I killed them on, you know, turn five with a hasty Ilharg. Very friendly people. Yeah, very friendly people. I mean, you know, when you Rhythm of the Wild and then you just, like, attack with your Ilharg and your... Galta on turn five and they die. They, uh, you know, they're always impressed. But just a super fun card. I think this is a card that will be in cubes for years to come, and I look forward to continuing to play with. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic card. I have a playset um, based on your recommendation. Or like, it's a boar. Who doesn't love a boar god? Like, come on. It's a boar god. It's so nice. It's so nice. Can you guess which set my favorite card came from? I want to say it's probably... Did you go off-board and go Modern Horizons? No! Actually, you would think oh. I would have, but no. Actually, it's yeah. it's from Throne of Eldraine. It's okay. Sir Conrad the Grim. Oh, the mythic uncommon of the set. Yes. So Sir Conrad, in case you haven't had the pleasure of playing against it on your kitchen table or in a draft, it's three black-black for a legendary creature human knight. It's a 5-4 in... I'm about to read a wall of text, so I apologize if you nod off halfway through this explanation. So whenever another creature dies, or a creature is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield, or a creature leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad deals one damage to each opponent. And also has one in the black. Each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. Yeah, this card is uh, out of control in Limited, certainly. The fact that Forever Young is a card that exists, which allows you to put any number of creatures from your graveyard on top of your library and then draw a card, where in the late game, that's just like take eight opponent, Yeah, is pretty out of control. This is an easy first pick for me anytime I see it, and an easy signal to switch into a different color if I see it, you know, anywhere other than pack one, pick one. Oh, it's it, love it. it's fantastic. And the reason I love it is... I fell in love with it due to EDH, so Mm -hmm. I played this with a few friends, and at first it was like, I don't know if this is going to be good, but even with just one, it doesn't even matter if there's a graveyard-centric deck, people cast board wipes, people do sacrifice shenanigans, people do graveyard stuff as it happens, sometimes people exile all the graveyards. It just has all this incidental stuff where you're like, I guess I should just play this card, because this card is just better than most other stuff I could put in. I keep telling everyone it's an auto-include, and everyone thinks I'm crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a copy of this in my Phoenix Mill deck, and clearly I should. You, you should? You should have it uh, tomorrow. <laughs> like, yes, what are you doing? <laughs> Look, I don't own a foil, okay? So I'll order a foil, I'll put it in the deck, we'll be fine. I'll get you a foil right now, it's like a buck. I actually ran into a fun little combo with this card. Okay. Funnily enough, it was a, I think he must have been a tween at Friday Night Magic. And the combo is... Do you know what the card Morality Shift does? Morality Shift? From Judgment. So it's five black black for a sorcery. And all it says is, exchange your graveyard and library, then shuffle your library. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that's what it was, because I was thinking about Inverter of Truth from Oath of the Gatewatch, the uh, two black black, six six flying mythic, um, that when it enters the battlefield, you exile your library face down. And then shuffle all the cards from your graveyard into your library. Well, that's another good one. The Sir Conrad was the commander. 
and it was one of those things I was like, sure. this is actually like this is actually pretty good as long as you have I think forty creatures a minimum in your deck or something like maybe thirty because people take damage like uh, it's pretty good. Like, it, uh, it, it kills the table in one swing. Apparently, the other card the kid kept saying, like, you should just find this card immediately was Necropotence. Because Necropotence' sure. ability is worded that when you discard, it exiles instead of just exiling as a replacement effect. So you sure. just combo it out, and then you hit everyone for two. And I was like, oh, that's actually, like, this kid knows some magic. I'm, i got to keep my toes up. <laughs> yeah, Sir Conrad's a good choice. Yeah, Sir Conrad. I think people are going to talk about in a few years as like the must-play black card in EDH. Like you have to have a good reason not to play. So, well, I will go grab my foil slash foils right now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's run a quick recap of our favorite cards of the past decade. 2010, we had Vengevine and Grand Architect. 2011, Snapcaster Mage and Birthing Pod. 2012, Chromatic Lantern and Sphinx's Revelation. 2013, Mesa's End and Prophet of Crufix. 2014, Hornet Nest and the Trilands. 2015, Tassiger the Golden Fang and Collected Company. 2016, Thought Not Seer and Fevered Visions. 2017, Oasis Ritualist and Treasure Map slash Treasure Cove. 2018, Thief of Sanity and Niv-Mizzet Perun. 2019, Sir Conrad the Grim and Ilharg the Ray's Boar. Christian, I have to say, I'm a little surprised we didn't have any overlap on the list. I'm surprised, too. I thought we would have had at least two. So the choices I thought we had the overlap on were the Trilance and then... I honestly thought we might have had the same for Oasis Ritualist. Yeah, I uh, I would have been surprised if you had said Thought Not Seer on my list. Yeah. That's a very uh, very Christian card, yeah. certainly. All right, well, good list. It's been a good decade for Magic. You know, certainly an interesting decade. The game has grown a lot and changed a lot. Now that we have Magic Arena, it will continue to change, and we'll have to see where that takes us. But you know, lots of uh, lots of growth and lots of interesting things to come. What do you think is going to happen in the next decade? Real quick. No, we don't have to go super deep. But, like, what prediction do you have for Magic in the next decade? I think that we are going to continue to experiment with the way we do premium cards in packages. I don't think that collector boosties are the end of that. I think that competitive play will continue to change and evolve. And unless um, external sponsors get involved, you know, it may revert back to something like we've seen, but more arena focused. You know, I think there will be more a continuing shift to online play and maybe a rethinking of what Magic Fest slash Grand Prix are like if they're going to continue to have 300 people playing. Yeah, no, I I agree with all that. I think the one thing I'll add to that is I think that we will get to the point and I don't, I don't think it'll happen until the end of the decade, where the idea of having paper magic cards is for people who play a lot of commander. It's for people who are in the small minority of like commander players, or they still go to these paper magic tournaments. But I think the big push is going to be, if you don't play arena, you're crazy. Well, that'd be fascinating, and I hope that's not the case because I love paper drafting and I love playing in paper constructed tournaments. You know, I think that's the lifeblood of local game stores, and so I certainly don't want to see them suffer. But everything is up in the air, and I think that it's kind of a scary time for some folks. It could be an exciting time for some, but I think that there's a lot of unease out there. You certainly see that on the internet, if that's a good judge of what people are actually talking about in the real world. So we'll have to see. You know, end of this decade will be hitting episode 500 ready to uh ready to go yeah <laughs> all right well thank all of you for joining us today you can find us on twitter at our handle at memory jar mtg we would love your feedback please tell us what cards you want to remember
Again, special thanks to Chris Yates for the logo. We greatly appreciate it. You can find Chris on Twitter at CMY Company. That's company with a K. Company with a K. And may your next decade of magic be ever fruitful, ever fun, and ever fantastic. And we will see you next time. 50 episodes. 50 50, episodes. 50, 50, 50, 50, 50.